Now, is the whole Morgan thing more than what she wants? I don't know. I don't know. I would have told you before that it was merely nothing other than a financial situation and trying to boost Morgan's career. I don't know. She did go on Amazon Live this week and said that she regretted having Morgan on the show because Morgan doesn't like all this tabloids and being in the limelight. And she made it sound like Morgan came on as a favor to her to perform at the event. And that's when she asked her to be on. But like, we have to remember, she had already asked her to be on in other episodes. She has her on FaceTime. They went and got the tattoos together. Kyle tattooed on her. So it wasn't just this episode. This is not just another housewife podcast. Celebrity gossip. Consuming my brain. You cannot tell me that for the last two years, all of these dates have not been blocked off with NFL stadiums. It is all happening. I'm Brett, and this is the Oops I Gossiped Again podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast, friend. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. I'm going to start this off by saying if you hear weird noises, like... The mic is moving and there's weird quality. Full disclosure, I am in my bed. I had to record this in a comfy, cozy space today because I have not been able to get myself to just pull myself out of a bed rot moment today at all. I have had terrible sleep lately. I'm 38 years old and I am absolutely going through perimenopause it's exhausting. I have horrible insomnia. When I do sleep, I wake up drenched in sweat. Sorry, TMI, but this is the reality. This is the reality that I'm living in. My doctor's like, no, I'm not going to help you with anything, but you know, of course, like change your diet. Here's an SSRI. Like, babe, I'm already on Lexpro. I don't need an antidepressant. I don't need sleeping pills. I need to fix the problem, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm sure some of you can relate, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I just wanted to give you a forewarning that I am in bed, so if it sounds like the mic is weird or I make a weird noise if I move the mic, I'm actually just having to hold on to it. So anyway, that's the full disclosure. Let's get into some Housewives chatter. In last week's episode, I mentioned that I was going to possibly do a bonus episode solely on the Salt Lake City part one reunion. But I felt it was more or less kind of blend. I mean, it is a three-part reunion. So the nitty-gritty, the deep things that we're going to want to get into, the reality of aunties, the black eye. Again, I don't think that that is going to be anything of excitement. You can listen to last week's episode. I already talked about that. All of those things, I have a feeling, will wait until episode three, like part three. Remember when Real Housewives Beverly Hills had their reunion and we waited and waited and waited for Kathy Hilton to come in and talk about the Aspen? That wasn't until episode three. So we're not going to get into deep dive things on that. If next week I feel like it is more of a banger, I'll do a bonus episode solely on that. But I just feel like this week was kind of okay setting basic reunion things, right? Like it didn't deserve an entire episode on its own. So we are going to get into a few different things. We're going to talk Salt Lake City reunion. We're going to talk uh, Southern Charm finale. As always, reminder, I record on Thursdays. So when I'm recording is the day of the finale and the reunion. I can't talk about it until the following week. So we'll talk about Salt Lake City, Southern Charm, Beverly Hills, Miami, and maybe a couple other things in between. I didn't even watch Potomac this week. I realized before I came on here to record this, I had forgotten about Potomac coming back, but I also remember seeing a lot of videos and memes and commentary on it that it's now in its flop era. So I'm not too upset that we're not talking about that. I'd rather leave space for other things and try not to make this a two hour long episode. Let's first dive into the Southern Charm finale since that is the furthest away from what we're talking about. In the finale, we had another event at Patricia's house. It seemed as though it was going to be a party at Whitney's so that he could open up this man cave bar space, whatever. But also most of the event and the episode took place in and around Patricia's home. And one thing I noticed that is 
very coincidental to me is that every time it seems like there is an event at Patricia's home, it is rainy. It is muddy. It is gross. Like I want to see this space be beautiful and used for what the what it is because obviously it's a gorgeous home. But every time they're there, it's raining and it's gross. The girls are like tramping through the mud and the yuck with heels on and they're all holding umbrellas, which make a very nice accessory. But who actually wants that when you're trying to look cute and you're trying to film and you have your hair done? No one. And I understand that they record most of these during the winter season in South Carolina. So obviously you're going to have to deal with icky weather, but it's just, it was a thing that I noticed and it seemed very coincidental. I just feel bad for them. It was a week ago that I watched this. So I'm trying to remember, I guess I didn't take notes on it for some reason, but I'm trying to remember all the things that happened. I think the main focus was this party, right? And the focus is we have JT going after Taylor. He he tells Rod that he wants to express his love to Taylor. Taylor clearly has the ick. Like we saw that coming. And in the very beginning of this season, I said that I, I didn't like him at all. I thought he was very weird. I thought he was too clingy, too too nice, too trying to put his head and face and voice into everything. But by the end of the season, I'm actually starting to feel badly for JT because it is giving that he is a genuinely nice guy. Now, he has that vibe of being too close to his mom. So he's a mama's boy. I get it. But He's just giving off very much nice boy vibes, and he wants to tell Taylor that he is in love with her, that he has feelings for her, that he wants to give it an actual go, which we saw from day one, right? We saw even in episode one where they're talking about how they had gone to London and they had traveled together and done all these things, like JT has been going after Taylor this entire time, and Taylor clearly is just getting the ick from it. You know, it seemed like maybe things were kind of coming to fruition for them together for JT with her when they were in Jamaica. But honestly, I look at it as Taylor was merely trying to have an ally. She saw JT as the one that's never going to come after her and she's using him. That's the that's what I get from her. She seems very fake. She puts on this, I need, what would Jesus do? Who is my Lord and Savior? And you know, what, how would Jesus handle this? That's what she and her family want to give off. However, in the background, she's doing all these other things that just do not align with that mindset. Do not align with those behaviors. I see a lot of people talking about how they don't like that Taylor is getting the brunt of this argument, but we have to remember that she boldface to her face lied to Olivia when Olivia asked about this. And it wasn't just once, it was multiple times. That is a friendship barrier that is now broken when trust in a friendship is broken like that. Had something happened and Taylor just came out and said, yes, this is what happened. It would be ugly. It would be it would be bad behavior. It would be gross. There would be something that they need to work through and they need to get past. But it's not as bad as you staring at your best friend, so to speak, and lying about it multiple times, saying, no, that is not true. Nothing ever happened. And then to come out and say, okay, yeah, it did. And in my opinion, both she and Austin are still lying about it. There's st- I don't I don't think anybody can say that they believe that it was just a kiss between Taylor and Austin. I, I just don't believe it. I can't get myself to believe it. If it is, fine, whatever. But it's this constant lying to your alleged best friend. If you are truly best friends, be upfront, be honest. Even if Austin was like, no, we take this to our grave. We don't tell anybody. Like you're on a television show. You can't tell me that you would believe that this would stay secret. You can't tell me that knowing who Austin Kroll is, aka one of the grossest human beings I've ever witnessed on television, that he would not somehow let this slip for view, for viewers, for ratings, for drama, to come out and make her look like the bad guy, which he has done. He has still not just genuinely apologized. Rather, he continues to, you know, now he's spitting this narrative of, which it might be true, 
But spinning the story that it was Taylor who came on to him and reenacting these kisses and whatever, like, he is not a good person. And if you are a female, why are you believing that you think if he says, take this to the grave, that he's actually going to take it to the grave? And then in the finale, he is the one that blames JT for it coming out in the first place. They did that flashback of the very first episode where they're in the restaurant and JT makes the comment about how Austin and Taylor are having sleepovers. And that's like where this all stems. So in the finale, Austin is blaming someone else. Still not coming up and saying, hey, I fucked up. I apologize. I am genuinely sorry. Not once. And Taylor is kind of getting thrown under the bus for this. But I don't blame Olivia for still being mad at her. Now, everyone else, like Olivia just wants to put it to bed. She just wants to move on from it. And it is everyone else that keeps bringing it back around. And so I understand how she's getting frustrated. And for a while there, I was to the point where I'm kind of like, you know, Olivia needs to chill out too. Because this back and forth with Austin, remember the the I took my bra off and I threw it in the corner. And when I left, I said, just throw it away like that did not add up to me at all. I do believe that she and Austin were probably still hooking up off and on, but I have to give her some, I don't want to say credit, but some empathy in this. The reason being is she is at a place in her life where she just lost her brother and she's making moves and making decisions in an extremely fragile state. Austin, who is going on to therapy on camera, is trying to move in in a way like, I understand what you're going through. I lost a sibling too. And what I think is has been really annoying about that whole situation is that Austin lost his sibling when he was a child. He doesn't have, and I'm not, don't take this as I'm trying to discredit that. I have lost a sibling and I'm I'm going to relate back to this in a minute, but he did not go through his adult life having that person next to him. Like this is a person who she has grew up with. She has lived her entire life with up until this moment. And he's taking advantage of that, trying to get on her good side and be the only one that, quote, understands what she's going through. But meanwhile, Olivia is doing and saying things in a very fragile state. So I'm not shocked that she's taking that from Austin in a way that he's trying to be on her good side, but also she's making decisions based upon just wanting to forget, just wanting to disassociate, just wanting to be out of the, my brother has just died. I went through that five years ago. Last week was actually the anniversary of five years since I lost my brother. I was in that state. Like I didn't care what I was doing. I didn't care what I was thinking about. I was drinking a lot. I was just making terrible, terrible decisions at that time in my life. Anything to shut off that noise, anything to not have to think about it or remember that it's real, anything. And I think that's where Olivia has been throughout all of this. So she's making, going back to Austin in a way that is helping her to disassociate, but then it's also amplified every time somebody brings up the Taylor and Austin of it all. But in the finale, he looks at her and he's like, I expected you to come at me with an apology. Sir, are you serious right now? And the fact that she just got up and walked away from it, I was so thankful. And simultaneously, which we don't know if it was simultaneous, or if it's just editing, Shep and Taylor are also having a conversation. And Taylor's basically admitting that she was hoping that she and Shep would get back together. And Shep's just like, no, I'm not there. I am not in this. And now we get previews for the finale or the reunion where he says maybe he made a mistake. I think collectively we can all say that, yeah, Shep made a mistake. But now we're seeing the true colors of Taylor too. And as much as people want to put Shep off as being this horrible human being, Taylor isn't putting herself in a very good light either. Even the fact that she's looking at him and saying, well, what if I date Austin? Like that is her trying to get a reaction out of him. And for the first time, we don't get that from Shep. 
no, I'm not taking this bait. I'm not doing it. And he looks like the adult in this situation for once. But then the group all finally moves into Whitney's like bar cave or whatever the hell it is in the guest house. Now we have JT and Austin getting into it. And when Austin says that you're just jealous of me because I got the girl, I always get the girl. It gave me the ick. I don't know who is out here coming for that infer like coming for that man. Why? Any person, and I assume that they're probably much younger girls. He is my age. And if I looked at a man saying things like that, acting like that, I would have the absolute ick and would never even look twice. And then he tries to come after JT and you hit me first and you did this and all of this is your fault. It's the first time we really see JT stand up in a way that defends himself, defends everyone else, and calls Austin out for who he is because nobody ever does that genuinely. And now Austin is just a big baby and he's crying about it and he's all upset. Like, how could you guys let this happen? This is this is what we wanted someone to do to Austin the entire time, but everybody gives him this, You're this is who you are and it's okay. No, it's not okay. But that's where the episode ends. And again, we have the reunion. Now, the reunion will be interesting, in my opinion, because in this time between end of filming and the reunion filming, Taylor also lost her brother. So now I have to wonder, is that going to soften Olivia? Is that going to soften Taylor? Now the two of them share this experience together. So where does that leave them? How was Olivia able to or willing to console Taylor? How is Taylor going to look back at her behavior and realize I shouldn't have done that to you in that time? I now understand how you felt at this time. I think it's going to kind of bring things full circle. And also, I don't know if Taylor will be back. I really don't. It seems to me, unless there's some, like I said, major reconnecting happening there between the women and Taylor it seemed towards the end that they were really trying to create this girl group of, you know, Madison, Vanita, Olivia, Leva sometimes there. I like Leva seemed really in and out of the whole situation this this season. And I don't know if that's kind of her maybe taking a step back and just focusing on Southern hospitality. I'm not sure, but there seemed that they were making this connection amongst themselves and Taylor wasn't in it. So if Taylor hasn't reconnected with them, I don't think we'll see Taylor back next season. But we'll have the reunion tonight or by the time you listen to this, it's already been aired, I know. And then we'll talk about that next week. Next, let's talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I felt like last week's episode was a bore. This week's episode was kind of, it feels like it's at a stalemate. It feels like we're trying to make something out of nothing every week. And honestly, Erica has COVID in this episode, and I think she's a missing piece. I didn't realize how much I was enjoying Erica this season until Erica hasn't been around. Now, the women go to a little wine tasting and lunch, and it's actually nice to see them come together have fun, but why at every time are they going out to these dinners? Are they having to bring out these like get to know me cards? Haven't you women gotten to know each other enough? The games are annoying as hell. And they have brought out these question games every single time the entire group is together on Beverly Hills. Are they that bored of one another that they have nothing else to talk about that they need to bring up these stupid questions every time? Now, listen, I'm all for a good drinking game once in a while. But if I'm with the same group of people and they continuously bring out these games, I'm going to be like, I need new friends. I need a new circle. Can we talk about anything else other than having to answer questions on a card? But the lunch is fun and it's light and they're enjoying each other's company and they're all laughing. And I think sometimes we forget that episodes like that, situations like that, that aren't filled with drama and toxicity and try to take somebody down and square somebody up in the corner to quote, tell the truth or call them out or own their shit. Sometimes that's fun and enjoyable. And it was. It was nice to watch the way that they can interact when it isn't so toxic. 
The one thing that caught me off guard was when Kyle just seemingly out of nowhere, it could have been an edit, but seemingly out of nowhere just said, would you ever date a woman? And they're all just kind of like, what, what, huh? What's going on here? Now I have, you guys know that I have rode against these rumors of Kyle and Morgan Wade. And I don't like to make assumptions about someone's relationship, especially if it is in a situation where someone is coming out of the closet or almost like a queer baiting type situation. I don't like it. I think it's gross. I think it demeans bisexual and homosexual relationships. I don't like it. However, I will say that was kind of out of pocket for me. I I feel like she was testing the waters almost in some way. But again, we don't know if it actually was out of left field, if that was editing, or if that was also mixed up in the scissor sister situation. I'm not really sure. We don't know that. And we probably won't know that until or if it comes up at a reunion. But when Garcelle said in her confessional, I think somewhere there's a country song about this, I was gagged. I'm like, oh girl, (laughs) you did it. You did it. Garcelle and her sons has been one of the most genuine pieces of this entire season for me. I think for the first few seasons she was on, it was hard for her to let her guard down and feel a little bit more vulnerable in situations and not in a way that Erica does because Erica's very cold about it. However, Garcelle seems to keep a lot of her personal life kind of guarded. So I love that this season she's opening up more about things with her children. As a mom of a teen boy, I felt everything in that scene with her kids. The cereal while you're cooking dinner. And she tells them, I hope you choke on it. Like that, I feel that. That happens in my household. The conversations about going to college, minus 17. I'm going through those problems. I'm going through those thoughts in my head. Like, how are you not going to be here? The having a long-term relationship and having to really discuss these sex situations with your child and they're uncomfortable and they're boys and they don't want to talk about it. I get that every single moment. I feel it to my core and I love seeing these genuine close relationships building and she's growing from them and learning from her kids as well. I love it. I am here for it. I hope and pray that Garcelle stays. I hope and pray that Sutton stays and I actually hope that Crystal and Erica stay. Kyle can go. Kyle and Dorit can go. Now, the way that Kyle is this season, I could see that. And it was really, for me, the moment that she was talking in her confessionals about how after losing Lorraine, that she didn't want to be around toxic behavior. She made comments about how she wants to get out of LA. She wants to be more in nature. I could see her moving to Aspen. And I think that Portia is 16 now, So she still has a little bit of time before that actually happens because she said she would want to do it after Portia's out of the house. But I can see that transition happening with Kyle. And I think after this many years, Kyle is likely going to be stepping away on her own accord. I don't think that she's going to be fired. I just feel like she's laying out the foundation that she could be stepping away on her own accord after this season. And one of those big things that she may or may not be insinuating to when she says that she doesn't want to be around people like this. It's also in the conversation that here's this event that she is hosting in memory of her friend that died by suicide and her husband is not there. And she has alluded in the past episodes and confessionals that Mo didn't know how to deal with her loss, that Mo wasn't really around for her when she was dealing with that loss, and as well going through things with her sisters at the time. I don't, I don't feel, I, I want to say this night lightly. It's not that I feel badly for Kyle, because I think Kyle has done many things to many people. And now that it's kind of coming back on her, she doesn't want to take the heat for it. But I have empathy for her because I've been in that direct situation, losing someone by suicide. I know what it feels like. I know how you want to just, again, like like I said with Olivia, you want to disassociate, but you also then come out the other side and you're like, how do I make my life better? How do I 
put myself in a position where people that I want to be around, that are lifting me up, that are supporting me, that deserve my energy. I I get it. I have empathy for it and I feel it and I see it. Now, is the whole Morgan thing more than what she wants? I don't know. I don't know. I would have told you before that it was merely nothing other than a financial situation and trying to boost Morgan's career. I don't know. She did go on Amazon Live this week and said that she regretted having Morgan on the show because Morgan doesn't like all this tabloids and being in the limelight. And she made it sound like Morgan came on as a favor to her to perform at the event. And that's when she asked her to be on. But like we have to remember, she had already asked her to be on in other episodes. She has her on FaceTime. They went and got the tattoos together. Kyle tattooed on her. So it wasn't just this episode. So that was an odd question or like an odd response to that question for me. I don't want to put myself into that position where I am making assumptions about the relationship. I will say this, that I am no longer saying that there's absolutely no way because I think there's something deeper going on than what I thought just as more of like a momager type thing. That I will say If it comes out at some point, I'll take it all back and I'll accept it. But I also don't want to feed into the narrative and really demeaning the relationship that people in bisexual and homosexual relationships have. I think that is not good for the entire community as a whole. And I guess we'll just see what comes forward. In a lighter way of this episode, we did have Anne-Marie at this event once again bringing up Sutton and her small esophagus. We see a preview for next week, and Crystal says that at one point, Anne-Marie told her that she was a doctor. And I haven't gone back in earlier episodes, but there was something that Anne-Marie had said in one of the earlier episodes that kind of contradicted what she said about her job later. And I can't remember exactly what it was. I I know that she said she was a nurse assistant, but I think that the first time she talked about it, she made it sound more like she was an anesthesiologist. And that, to me, I'm on Crystal's side with this because there was something weird about that. I'll have to go back and check that again. I should have done that before this, but that thought just kind of popped into my head. I have to go back and watch that again. But Crystal saying that Anne-Marie told her she was a doctor, I believe it. I believe it 100%. And last week, Dr. Nicole from Miami had actually come out and talked about how she didn't like it. She didn't like what was being talked about. And then Anne-Marie went and did this interview of how she was so offended by Dr. Nicole and how Dr. Nicole should have come to her as a professional and a courtesy. Like, babe, you have been on Beverly Hills for five minutes because she actually said that Nicole did it for clout. You have been on Beverly Hills for five minutes. And nobody wants you there. Dr. Nicole is not coming for you and questioning your ethics because she is jealous of you because you are on Beverly Hills. You have been on for five minutes and all you have talked about is demeaning someone's medical diagnosis. That is unethical, period, point blank. And she even said, it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse. Yes, you are beating a dead horse here. We, we know nothing about her life. We know nothing about who she is, what she does, what she likes, how, how she spends her time. She works out and she has a husband that was in the NFL. That's all we know because she has spent her entire time taking Kyle's dirty work and putting it out on display in a, quote, professional manner because she did all her research and that is not a medical diagnosis. They want Sutton to fail so badly that this is what they're going to drag on. What a joke. Overall, I feel very understimulated by Beverly Hills right now, especially when we, you know, had so much buildup because of the Mo and the Kyle and the Morgan Wade. We knew that that was going to be the topic, but the entire season as a whole has just been more meh to me than anything. And like I said, I did not realize I was going to miss Erica so much. So Maybe that's a good thing that I'm actually enjoying Erica and liking Erica this season. Who knows? Moving on to Miami quickly before we kind of round out the episode with Salt Lake City. I love Miami. You know that. I am extremely annoyed this week by Alexia and Marisol. I think every week I get more irritated by Alexia and Marisol, but also Adriana. 
why is Adriana so hell-bent on getting Nicole thrown under the bus? I My heart was breaking for Nicole, finding out that she was not invited to this luncheon at Marisol's house. However, we have Adriana invited, who Marisol, in the beginning of the season, didn't want to even be in the same room as Adriana. And now all of a sudden it's Nicole's fault? I didn't think I'd ever see a time come when Julia would put Adriana under the microscope. And she did. She's like, I've had enough of this. Nicole does not deserve this. This is ridiculous. And Adriana finally is then like, well, yeah, I'm the one that did it. And Nicole said she was okay with it. And for some reason, Alexia and Marisol are still broing it up and can't have the respect for Nicole. I believe these women are so genuinely jealous of Nicole that they will take anything and everything that they can to be upset and make this woman look like the villain. She has an amazing non-husband husband. <laughs> she has a that he's wealthy, she's wealthy. They have yachts, they have mansions, they have all of these things, a private jet. They are wealthy. They are happy. She is a professional. She has an outstanding career. She has a wonderful name to herself. She has everything that they wish they had. They are so insanely jealous of her. The one opportunity that they have to throw something at her and try to make her look like the villain, try to make her look like the bad guy, they are going to go after again and again and again and again. And Alexia is like a rabid dog. She doesn't let any anything go by. She never, it's like she clamps onto you with those jaws and will not let go. She's on this whole thing. Adriana's like, I did it. And Alexia just continues on about Nicole. You guys are you guys are mad. You guys are wild. It's the jealousy for me. It is the extreme. She has everything. I wish I could have. And I will say this, I'm starting to wonder if there is some truth to what Adriana and Anna are saying about Alexia and Todd. Now, Alexia and Todd are spinning this, we have to get out of the apartment and the condo because the condo was sold and we have to get out in 15 days. However, the story with Anna and Adriana is that there's some financial things going on and they are the ones having to break their lease. Something that came off as a red flag for me in my opinion, is if I am somebody that is that wealthy, I am not packing my own shit, okay? <laughs> I am not going to be packing my own boxes. I am going to pay someone to pack each and every single one of my items in my home. Now, there are some things, obviously, that are a little bit more sentimental that maybe you want to make sure of, but even going into your closet and packing your own things, when I moved, and I'm not wealthy, when I moved, I had some movers come in and they had wardrobe boxes that they put into my bedroom, they took all the other boxes, and then they literally grabbed all of my clothes out of my closet, hung them in the wardrobe boxes, they packed them, they moved them how they wanted to move them. The fact that Alexia is seen in every episode lately packing all of her own things and talking about how I need to make, I have so much to do, I have to pack all of this, that is a red flag for me for someone who is a, quote, wealthy person. Maybe it has something to do with the financials. Maybe there's something of truth to Adriana and Anna. Maybe we'll find out later. Who knows? I believe that that is a red flag. That's just my opinion. Speaking of financials, this is going to tie a little bit into Watch What Happens Live last night as well. Lisa Hochstein is so mad at the women because they are asking about her financials and if Jody helps her and she gets all up in arms about this. And frankly, Lisa needs to stop talking about Lenny altogether. That's obviously not going to happen. I don't think she's painting herself in a good light. I don't think she's giving herself an, a good edit. I think I briefly touched on this in last week's episode. So I'm not going to go in any further on that, but she's really angry that the women are talking about her finances. Last night on Watch What Happens Live, she says, number one, the car that she brought into last week's episode about the having the Honda, that was, and she claimed that it was her housekeeper. Someone asked a question like, 
did you apologize to your housekeeper for making those assumptions that it's less than and she drives around in this normal vehicle and it's like a bad thing? And Lisa actually says, it wasn't my housekeeper's. I actually rented that car. I just said it was. So in my opinion, that is even worse than actually using your housekeeper's car because that is even further demeaning someone of that occupation. Strike number one. Strike number two was when someone asked, are you out of the house? I think Andy asked, are you out of the house? And she said, yes, I am. And he said, where are you living? And she's like, well, I can't, I don't want to tell you my address. And he's like, oh, fair enough. And then he asked, are you living with Jody? And she said, no, he has his beautiful waterfront home. She goes on talking about that. And then she says, but he stays with me and he pays half of my rent. And I was like, ma'am, You don't want people talking about your financials. You don't want people asking about them. And you just threw your own self on national TV, confirming everything that these women have said about it. Get out of this marriage. Get on your own two fucking feet. Provide for your children. Meanwhile, in this episode, she's talking about wanting to teach her son the value of a dollar. Does she even know the value of a dollar anymore? She goes back and when I worked at Dairy Queen and I did this job, babe, no, not it. Do you understand the value of a dollar anymore? What you should do is get out of this marriage, get your own finances in order, get your own shit together, pay for your own stuff and stop relying on another human being to pay for you. That is exactly what these women have been trying to say to her. And then she goes on Watch What Happens Live and openly admits that she's still not there. Oh, it's exhausting. Her and Larsa, Larsa also on Watch What Happens Live, continued to defend the fact that she told the women about Gertie's cancer diagnosis. So she is a piece of trash. I I fast forward through everything. There was a flashback of Larsa talking to Mama Elsa from one of the earlier episodes. You don't even recognize this woman. They are not the same woman. But yeah, sure, she's never had any plastic surgery. Yeah, okay, Larsa. I worry that Miami, that these, these sets of women, Alexia and Marisol, and Lisa and Larsa are going to scare people off of Miami. Now, this year, because Miami had been doing so well on Peacock, they brought it back to Bravo. I am worried that the re- that like the ratings aren't going to be there, that the views aren't going to be there, and that Bravo is not going to give it the same respect and that the viewers are not going to give it the same respect. And I don't think enough people are watching Miami. If you were a diehard Miami person, you were watching it on Peacock and we loved it. I'm afraid that these two duos are going to do damage to the show. That's just my opinion. Let me know. You can go in the comments. You can let me know what you think. You can send me a DM on Instagram. You can argue with me. I don't care. Let me know what you think about that because I worry for the future of this show because those women just seem to be so arrogant in themselves that people don't want to see it anymore. Let's move on to wrap up this episode to the part one reunion of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Now, Salt Lake City has one of the highest viewerships for reunion of all housewives in a very long time, and it is so well deserved. The uncensored and extended version of the reunion is on Peacock, and I forgot about that, and I have not watched it yet, but I will absolutely be going back to watch it again on Peacock. So if you have Peacock, you can go watch that. Every single housewife reunion, by the way, will air the next day uncensored with extra content on Peacock. So just so you know, if you don't have Peacock yet, I am not sponsored. I am always an open and willing participant to be sponsored by Peacock, but they don't seem to hear me. In fact, they had actually reached out to me to help promote the TED series, and I was going to get a mailer and all of these different things. And then right after the strike ended, they conveniently emailed me and said, oh, sorry, we ran out of mailers. I hope you understand, but we'll send you a link to watch it before it comes out, and then we do it that way. And I was like, yeah, sure, great. I believe the series actually came out today or tomorrow, and I have yet to hear from them. So tell me that they weren't trying to use creators in light of the strike without telling me. But I digress. Anyway, this is not a Peacock promotion, but you can go and see All Housewives uncensored extended footage on of reunions. I wish they would do the whole seasons on Peacock. So we come in and the first thing Heather says is she looks at Andy and she's like, I thought I was going to get away from the hot seat. Babe, 
Come on. You love it. And the way that I know that you love it is because on the finale, once you smirked, once you smirked at the women and at the camera, as soon as Monica said that she was partly involved in Reality Von Tees, then you were like, I got you, bitch. You knew that got you your, quote, hot seat, that seat, that coveted first chair next to Andy. You knew it and you love it and you wanted it. So sit the fuck down and enjoy it. Again, I don't think that there were too many insanely crazy moments of the reunion part one itself, but when Monica called Angie K a benchwarming bitch, I just about died. And I know that there are a lot of Angie K fans out there and they you want to stand for her and you want to go hard for her. I can't stand this woman. I, I fully agree with Monica that she is a benchwarming bitch. Later in the episode, she says, I, let me speak. This is my moment. Like she's been waiting for this. I don't see what the allure is about Angie K. In my opinion, she's not funny. She tries too hard. She's like a little gnat that just kind of follows everybody around in the background with these big, stupid-ass sunglasses in every single episode, clings to what people say, and then she jumps and piggybacks off of it. I don't see what is amazing about her. I, I cannot see it. I still believe that she has much more to do with reality Von Tees than what she claims other than interacting. I think that she has probably put information out there. I think she is, you know, her husband is a hairstylist. She is part of the owner of all these salons. What do you think they do all day? They gossip all day long. They hear things like this all day long. And she says, I am a pillar in the community and I am a stand-up person. This is my moment. You have been waiting for your moment the entire time, you are so grateful that you got on as a full cast member and you still aren't just Angie. You're still Angie K because there was another Angie that was friend of last season that didn't make it, didn't make the cut this season. So instead of Angie K and Angie H, you're the only Angie, but you're still Angie K. You still don't get a first name basis. And of course, you know, Andy asks Monica, about her divorce. Angie had brought up the comment of all you and your different dads and your kids with different dads. And, and Monica's just like, listen, I've been called a whore. I've been this. I've been that. I get it. These are the things I call myself too. That affair was a decade ago. And then it's like people started asking on social media, wait a minute, if you had this affair 10 years ago, why are you all of a sudden now just getting divorced? Because it just was finalized in the last year. Why are you all of a sudden now getting divorced? So then Monica actually had to go on social media and share that her husband had actually been arrested multiple times for domestic violence, which was the ultimate reason that they ended up getting divorced. She said that she had wanted to talk about these things on the show, but it was never an opportunity to, and it never had come up. There were so many other things that had been involved, and she didn't get the opportunity to talk about it, but it was important to her now. And I know the haters of Monica will come and say, well, now she's just looking for sympathy. I get it. That's fine. Think what you want. But if that is in fact true, this is another example of this Mormon culture where the women are shunned and the, you know, she was excommunicated from the church because she had an affair. But yet if her husband is an abuser and he is not excommunicated and he is still in the church and he is the one in the right, what is wrong with this situation? Monica also made comments to Andy about how they showed actually part of an email that Monica had sent to production, to casting, basically trying to get on because I think it was Lisa Barlow said something about how you did all this just to get on the show. And I, like, I don't know why the woman would even be shocked. And I wish Monica would have just come out and said, yeah, absolutely. I did it to get on the show. What about, you know, she did say all of you and they were all like, well, we didn't have to audition. We didn't have to be on casting. Okay. If that's true, then I give it to them and they were just collecting people. But I believe that somewhere along the line, there still have to be casting tapes of these women and their confessionals before they started the show to make sure that they would be a good fit. That's how they do things. That's how they run them. But this to me is like, why wouldn't she? If you have this close-knit group of people, because allegedly they're all connected and it seems like the middle piece of the puzzle is and always has been Jen Shaw in one way or another. 
if there are people that have not been in that circle and they're seeing the success of the show and they're seeing how these women are are getting along that wouldn't want to. I'm sure there are plenty of women in Salt Lake City that were like, well, I'm going to write in. I want to be on the show. They're friends of mine. They're friends of mine. I, I run in that circle. I want to be on. Absolutely. So why are the women so shocked by this? They're like appalled that she would email cast and or casting and request to be on the show and put herself out there and put her name out there. I would too. Absolutely. Let's talk about the $60,000 ring because again, you know, Lisa Barlow's lack of self-awareness is questioned and Monica just says, listen, it wasn't about her losing the ring. It was the fact that she kept throwing out 60,000, 60,000, 60,000. And Lisa goes on to start with her crocodile tears and says that it was sentimental and it was a ring that John had given her after they had Henry and she had a really difficult birth and they didn't know if they were going to have more kids and it was a gift that she got and that's it reminds her of that time. Now on the show, when all of this happened, Lisa said multiple times it's sentimental. She never told the story. And when I said this in my video, a lot of people commented and said, well, maybe production cut it out. Lisa said on the reunion, I never told that story, but this is why. She never told anybody. And even Monica's like, had you told me that? I would have looked at it differently. But they are so quick to villainize Monica for saying that Lisa Barlow lacks self-awareness, that Lisa Barlow flaunts her wealth. $60,000, $60,000. I'm sorry, Lisa Barlow said it was $58,000, just to be clear. But that's all she said about it. She said it was sentimental a couple times and she just kept throwing out the price. I think there's such a weird dynamic in Salt Lake City that these women feel like it, it's wealth, but not like Beverly Hills wealth. It's like nouveau riche type wealth, in my opinion. And Monica, I'm sorry, Lisa Barlow, I believe that she and John have that wealth. I 1000% believe that. The other women, I think, are slowly coming into it. And a lot of it is fake. A lot of it isn't real. And that's why I think they are so afraid of Monica being behind this reality Von Tees is because they all know that they have so much to hide. And how much does Monica really know? That's why they want her out. That's why they want to get rid of her. Because how much more does she know? She is a threat to their storylines. She is a threat to their lifestyle, in my opinion. And the fact that they keep insinuating and implying that Monica stole this $58,000 ring is disgusting behavior. What got me is that Monica says that she did not go into that bathroom until after it had been lost. I believe that. And even like Lisa kind of agreed to it too. But Heather, in that episode where they are in the airport, there is a clip of Heather on her cell phone taking a video mocking Lisa Barlow for ranting and raving and freaking out about this ring. She is full-on mocking her. You can go back to that episode and watch it. And now all of a sudden, Heather is going to sit next to Lisa and be like, yeah, you stole it. We were all there for her. We were supporting her. We felt bad for her. You were mocking her next to her in a stall in real time. But now the story is flipped, right, Heather? Lisa said that she was only mad at Monica in the earlier episodes because Angie was. And that Angie was mad at her about telling the rumor. And so she was trying to stick up for Angie. But if you go back, like all of, I do these women not think that we have episodes to go back to that they haven't been on camera saying other things? In the very first episode where Monica meets Lisa, introduced by Angie, she is already saying, I I don't like her. There's something about her. I don't know her. I wouldn't recognize her. And she's already giving off vibes that she is not comfortable with Monica, that she doesn't like her. So every time she says, I was only mad at her because Angie was, and I was having my friends back, I think that's a load of bullshit. This also ties back to why I feel like these women have known for so much longer, especially Heather, about reality Vontees than what they are claiming. There's just too many things that I know they might 
have done major production and made, you know, one of the probably best moments that will live in the clubhouse and the Bravo memories forever is the beach scene, the come to Jesus meeting on the beach. That obviously is great production. I just don't believe that they did not know about it ahead of that. That's just all I'm going to say about that. Let's get back on track of the actual reunion to just kind of put this conversation to bed and close up this episode. Lastly, we have Angie and Meredith really going after it. And what I loved about this, I have a hard time being a Meredith Marks fan. I'm hot and cold on her. This was one of those moments where I really loved Meredith Marks. She pulls out the exact script of what she says. She's like, I didn't say it like that. (laughs) Meanwhile, production is actually showing the clip and she's trying to say, I didn't say anything about your marriage, Angie. And she's like, the rumors about your husband. She's like, well, yeah, I said your husband, but not your marriage. It's all semantics, Meredith Marks. It is all semantics. We close out the episode with Monica and Angie going after each other, and it seems very heated, which I think is another testament to the fact that Angie is more involved than what she claims. Monica should be extremely angry at Heather. Monica could be extremely angry at all the women for how they treated her, but she's not. She's more angry at Angie than anybody else. And Angie is coming for her more than any other other women. Now, we could say that it's because they were allegedly friends and they were closer than Monica was with the other women. Remember, Angie's the one that brought her in, so to speak. I still think it's Jen Shaw. Jen Shaw is still the missing puzzle piece here because she's the one that brought them all in. But there is deep, deep animosity going on between Angie and Monica right now. And I think that we are still going to come to a point where we find out that Angie is more involved And Angie is scared shitless of Monica to open her mouth and actually say the words. And not that she thinks it's going to do her damage. I think that it is going to be more or less, are the women going to believe it? And Angie is terrified that the women are actually going to believe what Monica has to say. I think that Monica holds more secrets, more tea, more damaging, horrible things about these women than they want to admit. And it's only going to be time. Time will only tell how and when that all comes out. And I hope that it comes in this reunion, probably not till episode three. Maybe we'll get more into it in episode two. Maybe this fight at the end of episode one is really the beginning where she's going to let Angie out. And I hope that I'm right. Again, I just... I, I, this is what I am standing firm in. This is my one thing that I'm like, you can't, I have no doubt in my mind that Angie Kay is more involved in reality Vontees than what she claims to be. So that's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave me a rate review, share with your friends. I would greatly appreciate it. We have a lot to talk about coming up again on the other reunions. If we get to a point where, again, I think that the reality or the reunion for Salt Lake City needs its own episode, I will absolutely do that. I'm not trying to like just string you along. I just didn't think that there was enough in this first episode to get into it. But maybe we'll need one for Southern Charm solely as well. Who knows? But we'll see. Thank you so much for listening. Leave me a rate and review. Follow the show. Share the show. Let me know your thoughts. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.